28. And we're going to read the first eight verses together. Um, I'll read the odd numbers, and if it's okay, uh, along with Joey, if you could read the even numbers together, if you have a New King James Version. It says in Matthew 28, verse 1, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. You may be seated. Did I skip a verse? (laughs) What a blessing it is to be able to read the resurrection story. Uh, Most of you know uh, we celebrated Good Friday just a couple of days ago, and it was a Good Friday not for Jesus. It was a Good Friday for us. Uh, Jesus Christ was put to death. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. Jesus Christ was flogged with a cat of nine tails. Jesus Christ was marred more than any man, and he was laid in a grave. And for many who saw that event, who witnessed that event, they thought that Good Friday was the end of the life of Christ. But one of the things you'll see about Jesus and that we see about Jesus and that we know about Jesus is that he is life. And therefore, he must live. And death could not hold him. And so Friday was the day in which he was put to death. But today on Sunday, three days later, we see he rose from the dead. And in that illustration, we today have this celebration in which Jesus Christ has shown to the world, he's proven who he is, that he is the Lord, the giver of life. And today we worship him. You know, on that day, they went to the tomb. The woman thought that they were going to anoint him with spices. They wanted to do what women do so faithfully, finish the ministry that God had given to them. They were going to give him a burial fit for a king. But when they went to the grave, they found the tomb was open. The stone had been rolled away. The angel moved the rock, not to let Jesus out, but to let them in and to see that Jesus indeed had risen from the dead. When you read the story, I encourage you today to let it sink in. What does it mean to you? You know, some people, unfortunately, they'll go to church maybe once a year, maybe Easter, maybe Christmas, but that's not the way we should be living our life. We should be attending a church on a weekly basis, and even Jesus went every week. 
Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, not yearly, not monthly, not weekly, but daily. To daily follow Jesus Christ. And today, as we stop and as we contemplate and we celebrate, I want to share with you out of the Gospel of John. And so if you have a Bible, let's go there to John chapter 2. As I was asking the Lord, what do I say today? There are so many places we can go to in the Scriptures regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as I was spending time with the Lord, I, I felt He laid a few words on my heart. You know, there's a couple of crucial holidays. There's a few critical holy days. On Christmas, Christ was born. God took on human form. He grew. He knew the day would come when he and all would mourn. The greatest man from Nazareth, the greatest love, the greatest death. Nailed to a tree for you and me. He cried, he died to set us free. On Christmas, Christ was born. On Friday, he was torn. But Sunday came. The life must live that all our sins he may forgive. O Lord, we come to you today with all our heart that we might say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. For this holy day. What a holy day. huh? The day that Christ rose from the dead. To know in whom we have believed. To know in whom we have received. We serve the living God. The loving God. The only God. Today is the day we loudly say. We proudly say. Our God is alive. Here in John chapter 2, we have an interesting story, and it relates to the day of resurrection. And we begin reading in verse 13, where it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changers and overturn the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal in your house has eaten me up. You know, as you study the gospel of John, we see here the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And what we see is that Jesus cleaned house. He did it passionately. He did it with authority. He made a whip of cords and he drove them all out of the temple. He said the temple, which, by the way, is my father's house, is not about profit. It's about prayer. It's not about merchandise. It's about paradise. It's so sad to see today that we have fundamentally forgotten that this house is not our house. That no one here or there or anywhere has the right to rule their own house. To make their own rules. 
we have fundamentally forgotten that God rules and He makes the rules. It's so sad to see today that we've fundamentally forgotten the focus of life. It's not the economy. It shouldn't be. We were not made for gold. We were made for God. May God help us to remember. We preach that message that God loves you, that God died for you, that God wants you to live for Him. But unfortunately, so many do not listen. They say, yada, yada, yada. That's what they said then, yada, yada, yada. Why are you trying to change my life? What gives you the right to invade my privacy? You ain't got that authority. While it ain't me, I can't change myself, let alone you. And you're absolutely right. I don't have the right. I don't have a speck, an ounce, and an iota of authority over you. But God does. Because he made you. And he died for you. And one day you will stand before him. And just in case you're wondering, if we're talking about the right God, notice what we read next in John chapter 2. The Jews answered and they said to him, well, what sign do you show to me since you do these things? Well, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. God said this, Here is the sign that you are mine. The Jews said, what authority do you have to come in here and clean house? Show us a sign. The Lord said, fine, I'll die, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise again. And so on that Friday, he died, he was crucified. But it's etched in history that on the third day, he rose again. You know, in one sense, the Jews should have recognized their Redeemer, for from his lips, you can't deny the greatest words ever known. And from his life, you can't deny the greatest love ever shown. In one sense, the Jews should have known their Redeemer. But in another sense, I think it's okay to seek such a sign. After all, you know, if one guy comes in one day with a whip cleaning house, and some guy comes in one day not just cleaning but claiming, to be the only way to heaven, I think a sign is fine. You know, we can't just follow any man. We can't just follow tradition. We need truth. We can't base our decisions on experience. We need evidence. I think a sign is fine. Not necessarily today, but someday in history when God would say, this is how you'll know the way. I will die and I will rise again. When the day comes for me to die, and we will all die one day, to travel into eternity, to enter forever into one of two places, either heaven or hell, 
On what will I hinge my destiny? Is it because everyone else is going that way? Is the crowd credible? Is it because I was raised in this religion? And so I'll stay in this religion? Is tradition always true? Is culture your creed? How will you know the way on that day when you die? Well, Jesus said this, the greatest man who's ever lived, the greatest influence in the history of the world, the reason we're here today, Jesus said, the sign is, I will die. But then, I will conquer the coffin, I will gut the grave, I will defeat death. So that you can know without excuse, and you can deny But you can know without excuse that you belong to me. That I have the right to clean your house and I have the claim to make it to heaven. It's so cool to know that as Christians our faith is founded on fact. God has shown us and opened our eyes so that we might walk with him. Now as Christians our faith is strengthened today. Our praise is louder today. As together we say thank you, Lord, for making it clear, for bringing it near. You are true, God, we say today. Renew my commitment to you. You are the living God. I know more and more that my Redeemer lives. To all those today who might not be Christians, or maybe there are some skeptics out there, or perhaps there are people who I would call practical atheists, where you say you believe in God, but your life does not show it. You don't go to church. You don't read God's Word. You don't pray to Him. You don't reach out to others who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. To you, I say, you're really challenged today. How long will you try to live life in your own strength? How many empty relationships is it going to take to where you realize that the one relationship with God is the most important one of all? How many girls and boys and toys and pleasures and treasures do you think it will take to bring satisfaction to your life? Not to mention the drugs, the drinking, the fighting, the fretting, the loneliness, the emptiness, the confusion, the illusion. Going to church once a year on Easter will not get you to heaven. You've got to live for Him every day. You've got to fully surrender your life to the love of Jesus Christ. You know, I could probably try to scare you. And by the way, scaring is not always bad. I could tell you that the economy in America is not going to get any better anytime soon. It might never get better. Things will never be the same. The days of health, wealth, and prosperity are over. I could tell you the morality in America is not going to get any better anytime soon. It will never get better. Things are only getting worse and worse and worse. 
I can tell you that the days of deception have now arrived. We live in the day where they call evil good and good evil. If you make a stand for marriage and family, you're considered evil. If you make a stand for purity, you're considered primitive. If you make a stand for heterosexuality, you're considered wicked. If you make a stand for the life of the unborn, you're considered intrusive. If you make a stand for the Word of God, you're considered exclusive. If you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you're considered intolerant. If you make a stand for the Christian values across the board that God made us and wants to save us, you're considered ignorant. And the sad part is many of those who claim to be Christians are buying the entire lie, hook, line, and sinker. You know, I could tell you that the end of the world is at hand, and I wouldn't be lying in so doing. We see the things that are stirring in the Middle East, in Iran, in Israel, in Russia, in China, in Europe, just like the Bible says. In Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39, in Daniel chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 13, we read of wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, the increase in disease, frequency of earthquakes, natural disasters. Not only is the end of the world at hand, but the end of your life is at hand. None of us knows how long we will live None of us knows the day of our death. And in all these things, these are things to think about. This could probably scare some into their senses, and that would actually be smart. But another very important tactic of truth that is just as real, and that's even inclusive in all that I've said up to this point, is that lure of God's love. Listen, I know you're going through hard times. You know, if you don't have the Lord as the one sitting on the throne of your heart, you know, I don't need some type of x-ray to look inside of you. Because the bottom line is, if you don't have Jesus ruling and reigning in your life, I know you are empty. Because he made you that way. God made you with a void inside that only He can fill. We're living in the days when the love of God is hard to find. You know, I mentioned the other day at our Good Friday service, uh, the quarterback for the University of Florida, his name is Tim Tebow, and he wears the eye black underneath his eyes and... uh, He's made it real famous, as a matter of fact, using the eye black to put scripture verses underneath his eye. And so he'll put the black there and he'll put a little scripture verse. And the one that he puts most often is John chapter 3, verse 16. Well, according to the Internet, according to Google, they say that whenever the University of Florida plays and the world sees the scripture verse underneath the eyes of Tim Tebow, John 3.16, that the number one search on the internet is John 3.16. Because the world doesn't know it. The world doesn't know 
the most famous verse in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. The world does not know how much God loves them. And I'm here to tell you today that He loves you. He really does. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you feel or how far you are, maybe you've drifted away, maybe you've run away, God still loves you. You know, one of the most important reasons we're here today is to tell you that, that God loves you and that God wants to reach you today. It's not just a day to eat. It's not just a day to feast. It's not just a day to force yourself to be with certain family members that you don't want to be with. Today is a day of salvation. And God wants to tell you that He loves you. I really sense the Lord as I was spending time with Him last night. Tell me to tell you today that He really loves them. He said this, tell them that I'm constantly thinking about them. Tell them that I want to take care of them. Tell them I want to put their life back together again. Tell them that I want to make their life better than it's ever been. Tell them that I want to bless them. Tell them that I want to wipe away every tear. Tell them that I want to walk with them. Tell them that I want to talk with them. Tell them that I want to carry them through all the hard times. Tell them I want to mend their marriage. Tell them I want to set them free. Tell them I want to use their lives so they can help their kids, their community, their culture. Tell them that I love them and I want to be with them forever. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's not a pattern, it's a person. And God is calling us, whether we've drifted away or we've run away, no matter who you are, you can't hide in this crowd that God is speaking to you. You see, on this Easter Sunday, we reflect on the fact that He is the living God and that He is the loving God. And His love has made a way. But according to the Scriptures, His love is not enough. He loves you. He loves you with a perfect love. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. There's nothing you could do to make Him love you less. The Bible says that God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that God is love. He loves you, but His love is not enough. You must love Him back.
In order to have life, you've got to respond to His love. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God. Three times Peter asked, the Lord asked Peter, do you love me? And that is the most important question in life. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. You see, the question today is not whether or not God loves you. It's not whether or not Jesus is the way. He's shown it by conquering the coffin, defeating death, gutting the grave. He's shown it loud and clear. The question is, do you love him back? Will you give your life to him? You know, over in the book of Acts chapter 14, if you want to turn there real quick, I was captured by the concept of the living God. And in Acts chapter 14, we have the apostles as they're traveling on their missionary journey. And they come to this place at Lystra and they do an incredible miracle. You know, just as God is doing so many miracles now. But in verse 14, it says, When the apostles Barnabas and heard this, they tore their clothes and they ran in among the multitudes, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, the one who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Turn from these useless things to the living God. And over in the book of Acts, chapter 17, when Paul was ministering to the people in Athens and trying to reason with them, it says in verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And maybe you're here today and you're very religious. But religion will not take you to heaven. Religion is man's way of trying to go up the mountain. God came down the mountain. He died on the cross. He did all the work. All you got to do is believe and receive the gift of life. Paul perceived they were very religious. He says, For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life. There it is, life. There it is, life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him. Although he's not far from each one of us, 
For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your prophets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and man's devisings. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all. How? By raising him from the dead. One day we will stand before God and we will give an account. What does God require of us? God requires of us to repent, to repent of our sins, to turn from our unbelief, very simple, and then to trust in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you do that, if you give him your life, if you surrender him, your life to him, you will never, ever be sorry. You know, when Paul preached this sermon in Athens, not a lot of people responded. The Bible says that some mocked. But the Bible also says that some joined. For those of you who are Christians here today, what a beautiful day of celebration, of contemplation. I pray that even as a result of today, that those of you who are Christians would know more and more and deeper and deeper that your Redeemer lives. Amen? But for those of you who today came and, and you just know you're, you're not where you should be. You know, your, your parents, just because they're Christians doesn't make you a Christian. God has no grandchildren. Just because you come once in a while doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you believe in your brain doesn't make you a Christian. How's your life? Does your life really, truly, totally reflect the fact that you belong to Him? Men, I know you're older. I know some of you are older. It doesn't matter. He still wants to make you His son. And women doesn't matter how old you are. He wants you to be his daughter. He loves you. But you've got to love him back. You've got to make a full-bore commitment to follow Jesus Christ. If you do, then as he lives, you will live too. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in him, though he may die, he will live. And last year, I shared a message on the resurrection. I remember a few points, even from last year. I talked about the proof and how Jesus... Rising from the dead proves that he's the way. 
I talked about the power, how when you give your life to Christ, He gives you the power to live. But I also talked about paradise. You know, one day we will die and God wants us to be with Him forever in heaven. I'll have no more gray hair. I'll be taller. We'll fly. We won't have to floss our teeth or brush our teeth. We won't need any deodorant. We'll be able to eat chocolate and not get fat. You name it, there'll be so many wonderful things there in heaven. And that's just the beginning. It will be more than you can ever even begin to contemplate. The Bible says that eye has not seen nor has ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for him. There's life beyond the grave. And one day when we die, God wants you to be with him in heaven. But it's a decision that you have to make. And it takes a lot of courage to follow Jesus Christ. You know, some people say, well, it's, it's too hard. It's too hard. Well, it's a lot harder not to. I encourage you today, all of us today, no matter who we are, no matter what we're going through, Christian, non-Christian, that today we would celebrate life and that we would ask God for the power that comes from Him on high to live today to live. We come here today in the community center and you know it's kind of cool. Art was kind of shedding some tears because he's always wanted to minister here in Almani. And it's a beautiful thing that God is doing. But this is just the beginning. For God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And God will blow your minds if you just give him a chance. We are here today, and maybe you know a Christian, and you're like, man, you know what? I know Christians, and you know what? They, they're sinners. And you know what? That's true. <laughs> I wish we were better examples, and may God convict us as Christians to be better examples to this dying world. But we are not here today promoting the perfection of Christians. We are not here today promoting a church. We are not here today promoting a man, a group, a person. We are here today promoting God. We are here to bring glory to God. And when you get your eyes on God, and when you look to God, then you will never be disappointed. The Bible says you won't be put to shame. You see, he's a wonderful God. And I'll close with this. He's the crying God, the dying God. To save us, He is trying God. The preaching God, the teaching God, the one who's always reaching God, the saving God, forgiving God, the good things only giving God, the living God, the loving God, the never ever leaving God, the told me God, the hold me God, the one willing to mold me God, the Father God, the Son is God, the Spirit three in one is God. All other gods are frauds. All other ways are plays. He is the living God, the loving God, who calls you home today. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. We thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity we have 
just even as Christians, Lord, to celebrate your life and how you conquered the coffin, you gutted the grave, you defeated death, and you love us so much. And Father, I pray even now as, uh, as the group comes up, Lord, and as we sing uh, a song in closing today, Father, that if there are any here today who don't know you, um, maybe they've drifted away, maybe they've run away, maybe they've just never found the way to you, I pray today, Lord God, that you would bring them to yourself. Lord, we just thank you so much for allowing us, Lord God, to know you. You've opened our eyes. Only you can save. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to speak to hearts. And just with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you're a Christian, right now I just ask you, please pray. Pray that if there are any here today who are not Christians, who know that they're not right with God, and they, they hear God's voice just calling them now, that God would give them the grace and the capacity to make that choice, to make that decision on this Easter Sunday to follow Him. And if that's you, and you know maybe you haven't been to church in a while, or you know, maybe you just find yourself empty inside. You know you need God. He's calling your name. Right now, as we sing this song, I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to come up here up front. Wherever you are, doesn't matter. And we want to pray for you. If you've drifted away from God, right now, as we sing this song, please, you come forward. It's not me who's calling you. It's God who's calling you. So you please, you come forward and you recommit your life. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. So you come. Your holiness surrounds me. His holiness surrounds me. You are beauty and you are light. No darkness at all. No, no, no. His holiness surrounds me. His holiness surrounds me. And I need you, I need you, Lord, because your holiness surrounds me.
Your holiness surrounds me. His holiness surrounds me. You are light. You are ever loving, ever loving light. And He loves you. And you need him. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I know there are so, so many more of you out there. Don't let your pride take paradise. Away from you. As God is calling you, and you know you haven't been right with Him, you know you need Him. Don't think, well, I gotta go out there and kind of clean up my life first. You're not gonna be able to do that. Just come with a willingness. Come with a willingness to say, Lord, change my life. Lord, help me out of this pit that I'm in. This is the living God, the loving God, and He will meet you here. I remember when I got saved, my pastor said, I know there's more of you. And he did that, I think, 27 times. Until finally I went forward. And He changed my life. And for many of you here today, He wants to change your life. He loves you. But you got to love Him back. You've got to be willing to fully commit your life to Christ. Don't be deceived into thinking religion will save you or your good works will save you. Because it won't. And whatever you do, don't harden your heart. Because if God is calling you today and you don't come, then your heart gets harder and harder until one day it will be too late be honest and just say, Jesus, I need you. Come forward, please. I beg you, please come forward.
Maybe you're here with your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend and they don't want to come. That was a decision I had to make. I remember I went to service with my girlfriend and at first she didn't want to come. I said, I'm going. And, uh, and I kind of dragged her up. But don't worry about the person next to you. You don't think about anybody else right now except you and God. Make a choice. Be a man. Be a man. Follow God. Or maybe you're here and, and you just kind of feel a little funny. Maybe a friend invited you. And maybe right now you just need to say to them, hey, will you go up there with me? Will you stand with me? And they will. Because they invited you here because they love you. So we're going to sing that one more time. We're going to sing that one more time. That God would touch your heart and give you the courage to take that first step that leads to heaven.
for those of you who have come forward to commit your life to Jesus Christ. We've been praying for rain. We've been praying for rain. And God is going to rain down his righteousness upon you. God is going to rain down his love upon your life. And as you hear, as you come forward, the Bible says, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, I will never turn them away. And so you just know what you did today. You know what you've done today. You have come to commit your heart to him and to live your life for him. And as you do that, God will bless you. And it's a simple prayer that you pray and you mean it from your heart, not just your head. You say it with your life, not just your lips. And so repeat with me this prayer to the Lord. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I commit my life to you. I turn from my sins and I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your love. And fill me with your life. Help me to walk. Life as a Christian. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God.